you just need to find some time to slow everything down take a few breaths you know god bless what's his name um the breath guy he's just moved into this a couple of streets away what's his name um wim hof wim hof i mean god bless him for for bringing this notion of breathing to our attention i mean it's very clever it's his son that's the marketing brains behind it Hey guys, welcome back to the Wild Goose Chase. Joining me on today's episode is Timbo Reed. Tim Reed, Timbo Reed. Tim, you've been running one of Australia's longest running and most successful small business marketing podcasts, Small Business Big Marketing. Big fan. Have listened to it a lot over the years myself. Yeah, yeah, I've been I've been the guy that's listening to it like over and over and over again, getting those getting those downloads up for you. Matt, I'd love you've obviously been in and around business for some time. You obviously think a lot about growth. I want to kind of dig into all of that kind of stuff. And I really want to ask you a very simple but hopefully poignant question to kick things off. What is marketing? It's what you do when you can't go and see someone. Interesting response. What you do when you can't go see someone. So is that a, is that another way of basically saying that it's um virtual sales? Is that kind of like a way that you would think about it? Or how would you expand on that context? No, I think marketing and sales are two distinct things that can't live without each other. Well, they probably can. I'm sure there are sales people out there who say, I don't need marketing. I think marketing, great marketing is very good at generating inquiry and interest and awareness and leading people down a story uh, which then helps them go, you know what, I think I will inquire from this business or buy from this business. What I mean by marketing is something you do when you can't go and see someone I think, Goose, in an ideal world, we would get up out of our seats, leave our offices, and go and have a coffee one-on-one with each person who we think has the potential to buy from us. That would be awesome. Be very personable. Be incredibly helpful for the person. It would build trust and familiarity, but it's not possible. It's not feasible. So if you could then take that and go, well, how could I do that without actually getting up out of my office and going and meeting with all these people, creating marketing that is helpful that is personable, that isn't pushy, that makes people feel comfortable and allows them to make a more informed purchase decision has got to be a win-win. And I think too many businesses go about their marketing in a pushy way, and I get that. Advertising, direct sales, letterbox drops, by nature are pushy because you have a limited amount of time or space and you want to cut to the chase. Whereas where I talk a lot about helpful marketing, Goose, mainly through forms of content, blogs, podcasts, YouTube channels, social media, ebooks, self-publishing, and you've got a lot more space to be a lot more helpful and 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 engage with the person. Yeah. So that's interesting. So sort of what you're talking about is the the context of, you know, I'll say brand marketing, but through the medium of content marketing, which I'm a big advocate for, you know, podcasts, useful content, things that actually help and serve and and nurture people to grow and just just value for the sake of giving value and building those relationships at scale. But that's sort of, I'm going to say opposed, but only in the kind of like a dichotomy kind of relationship with something like direct response, where the function is to elicit a specific outcome. Now, the specific outcome could be a click or it could be a purchase or it could be a whatever. Do you think that the relevancy of the different styles depends on the stage of the business or the capabilities of the resources in that business. Because, yeah, because I mean, I was just going to say, like, like if you've got, if you have enough time and enough money, then 
macro, like a, a br- more brand oriented. I say brand because I, I believe content, a brand is built through content. That's m- one of my beliefs. So if you take a more brand centric approach over time, you'll let me rephrase this in a slightly different way. I have a belief, whether it's completely right or completely wrong, but just a general heuristic that direct response, if you did just did pure direct response, you could probably build your business to like, I don't know, 50 million bucks or in revenue or something like that. But if you want to build a billion dollar company, you need to focus on brand. However, early stage, you may need to focus more on direct response to be able to drive those sales. So you've got the liquidity to focus on brand later on. Do you want to kind of talk to me about your perspective on that relationship between the two styles? Yeah, look, I don't. There's certainly not a right or a wrong, and there isn't a wrong. Like I talked earlier about push versus pull marketing. Push being advertising, direct sales, all that kind of direct response. Pull being being helpful. Um, there's an absolute neither a right or neither a wrong. And I think in an ideal world for any business, there's a role for both. Um, and particularly, I guess the more high involvement the purchase decision. We're not talking about chocolate bars here. We're talking about you know potentially a business like yours. Um, you know, real estate, cars. You know, air conditioners, um, accounting services, high value transactions, high involvement, yeah. high risk, high value transactions. Um, there is an absolutely a role for both. You mentioned the word brand, and it equals content, or so you said something well, like that. Goose, I think brand, brand is built through content. Uh, well, built brand is built, uh, my favorite definition of brand and branding is it's an emotional attachment. That's what a brand is. Okay, and if you go back historically what is a brand it is an indelible imprint on a beast on a cow and once you've got that indel- it's a stamp and, and it, you can't get rid of it and if you look at branding from the point of view of um, marketing it is also an indelible imprint you want to leave an indelible imprint in the minds of your customers and you do that by building emotion by by creating emotional content pot- potentially um and do it that way because the, the thing with branding and the thing with emotions is emotions are much harder to sever than rational things like price. So you and I both know that discounting is a dead end street and you don't build a brand through discounting, um, whereas you build an emotional attachment and it's harder to sever. So I think that's an important thing to understand because brands are an overused word in marketing, I think. Um, and, and in terms of your question around the mix, which is really what you're asking, you know, the mix of, of direct response and, and advertising and that push, push, push versus that, that, that slower, that slower form of marketing, which is, is content, which is helpful marketing. Absolutely a role for both. So, you know, I was, I was, I was speaking at a conference on the weekend, a room full of small business owners, um, who sell a relatively high involvement purchase decision around the concept of, of home safety and home security. And, the idea that what I love is a business, for example, in that space, you'd go and identify every question your customers ever had and go about answering each of those questions individually and creating this incredible knowledge center, you know, on your website, okay? Not an FAQ, but a knowledge center that has incredible depth and is incredibly helpful. That's that's pull marketing. It's great for SEO. It's great for one-on-one marketing. But what if then in your push marketing, let's say in your radio campaign, you promoted your knowledge center. Hey, everything you want to know about home security, head over to, you know, acme.com forward slash knowledge center, and you will be the most informed purchaser in the world. Whereas, you know, most businesses don't think like that. It's like call us or visit the home page of our website. So I think it's just how you get the mix going. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, we've got, I've got another podcast it's called Dashed On Insider. It's more, more centered around uh, property investing in, in relationship to our, our core business. But that's how of, often how we've thought about the episodes that we would create. It's like, well, what is the 
what are the questions in the minds of the people in our market? And they could be questions macro about concerns that they have and things like that. So it's not all just like, but that can help you to shape that. I love the idea of wrapping that up in an uh, informational, educational, entertaining, story-based format that is useful, that isn't designed to elicit a call. It is designed to help the consumer become a better version of themselves on the other side of the experience of consuming that piece of content. Is that kind of your perspective on that as well? A hundred percent. And if you want a case study, a brief case study on that, and it's an old one now, River Pools in Phoenix, Arizona, biggest, largest installer of fiberglass in-ground pools in North America. <clears throat> and if you go to their website, they have a knowledge center or a learning hub, whatever you want to call it, primary navigation button. Behind that is every question they've ever been asked with a really rich, deep answer by the owner of the business for each question. And as a result of that, the commercial outcome of that, they rank number one on Google organically in North America for, for, for queries like how much does a fiberglass in-ground pool cost? So then they're getting a heap of website traffic. When people go to their website, they're spending on average 32 minutes looking at 18 pages. They're then 60% pre-sold on using River Pools. They pick the phone up to have a chat to someone at River Pools and they're much less price sensitive right? Because River Pools have garnered all this trust through their helpful approach to their marketing. And guess what? River Pools are spending a lot less on advertising because of this helpful approach. Works, mate. How do you think the marketing landscape and ecosystem has changed? Because the marketing principles haven't changed, right? What you're talking about creating helpful, yeah, they haven't changed. They're the same, right? So what you're talking about creating helpful content, all that kind of stuff, cool. Like 10 years ago, it's the same as it is today. It's still exactly the same principle. But things like distribution mechanisms, um, engagement pathways, um, consumption habits, these kind of things do change, like the market changes. And so how have you seen how have you seen marketing shift and evolve? Because some of the stuff you're talking about there around like SEO and driving people to websites and stuff like that, I mean- has, have you seen that? Is that still is is that specific, like is that specific pathway still as relevant today, or are things changing there? I'm thinking about things like social media and AI and stuff. I guess one of the things I say in one of my keynotes, Goose, is that the marketing world has changed significantly in the past month, the past six months, certainly the past twelve months. What's beautiful about that change, despite it creating a massive amount of anxiety amongst small business owners in particular who are trying to do everything on a budget is that all these changes are playing right into the hands of us, you and I, the small business owner, because the changes that we're seeing, albeit it's a bloody, at a very fast pace, and I'll talk about bright, shiny objects in a minute, but the, the, the changes that we're seeing, you know, like I grew up in a big advertising agency where, you know, 20, 30 years ago, a client came to do a corporate video or something. It cost a hundred grand, mate. You know, you weren't going to get out of a corporate video for a hundred grand. You can do a corporate video on your iPhone now for nothing if you really want to. And what's interesting about that is production values have come down because of COVID, um, because of the smartphone. You know, you're watching CNN now and you've got some bloke coming at you from his study on Skype. <laughs> it's just crook, but which is kind of good because, it, again, it makes it accessible for the smaller business owner to go and create content that doesn't look like a Hollywood production. Um, so um, the changes that I'm seeing, you know, social media, and now, don't get me started on social media. I'm sure we'll have a conversation about it. But 
theoretically, we've got all these free channels, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Insta, um, you know, um, bloody TikTok, all these channels are free, and I use air quotes, we know they're not free. Uh, they take time and pain and you do pay for advertising on them. But, um, you know, so many business owners I, I come across think, oh, that, that's, the, that's the silver bullet. That's the panacea for all my marketing worries. It's not. Um, and, and that bright, shiny object syndrome, there's always, as a small business owners, there's always something, you know, like I have a Facebook tribe for the Small Business Big Marketing podcast where we get together and talk about the show and bounce marketing ideas. And someone's always got a bright, shiny object to share. And to me, it is exactly that. It takes your eye off the fundamentals of marketing um, as opposed to enhancing your marketing experience necessarily. So great changes. The world has changed, but the fundamentals remain absolutely watertight. Sure. The fundamentals retain, you know, remain watertight. I couldn't agree with you more. Right? I couldn't agree with you more. But how do you decipher between a shiny object – and a relevant chat because most of mostly what we're talking about is distribution mechanisms, right? Because we're not talking about like a change yes. in marketing. It's just like is the distribute is the optimal no. distribution mechanism- channels to market. There's more of them. Yeah, exactly. Is the is the best channel or distribution mechanism? Is it is it um, SEO or is it um, TikTok organic or is it? That's really all we're talking about. But how do you then? How do you? then sort the wheat from the chaff so that you're not trying to run, you know, an inch in a hundred different directions and in fact you go a hundred inches in the right direction. How do you sort the wheat from the chaff on that and don't not get caught up in shiny objectitis? I'm not I'm not sure there's a straight answer to that, but um, I'm an intuitive marketer and I talk to my listeners on my podcast about that notion of or actually my even my guests, you know, how much are you planned versus how much do you use gut instinct? And I think, you know, when you are confronted with a new channel to market, whether it be a new social media channel or someone says, hey, you should podcast or, hey, you should have a YouTube channel or, hey, you should write a book, whatever it may be, I think intuitively you know, huh, that could work. I feel comfortable with that. You know, I've relied on podcasting. I don't go and I don't have five, six, ten different channels for me to get, for my brand to get to market. I've relied on podcasting. I love it. I'm I'm okay. I'm okay at it. And it works. So I'm, I'm sticking to that lane. Some would say that's dangerous. One's a dangerous number in business. Um, but I think so. There's an instinctive nature of that. And then I think you've got to try it. You know, if, if something, look, you look at you look at a new channel to market, you think, oh, that's kind of interesting. I'll, I'll give it a go. Then, you know, there's not a lot of downside because most of these new channels don't cost a lot of dough. So have a crack at it as long as it doesn't take your eye off something more important. One of the things that you've got working in your favor, though, is the compound effect over time. So you got into podcasting early. It's been with 13, 14 years, years now for small business, small, for your podcast, but small business with marketing. And so the benefit of that is you got into that trend early, which is good. You build a community, which is great. You continue to nurture that community, which is awesome. And you've got this momentum. You've got a base. You've got, you've built the audience, so to speak. And so how might think how might you think about things differently if you if you had to start again from scratch today if you had to start again from scratch today you didn't have your podcast you didn't have your audience you didn't have your reputation nothing you would just wake up tomorrow everything's gone wiped clean how would you think about it differently today <laughs> mate i'm getting anxiety hearing you talk about hearing you ask this question <laughs> I, I think uh interesting question 
I'd probably look for a strategic partnership to amplify what I don't have. And so by that, I mean finding someone who has the interest in getting the attention of the same audience that I want to get attention of. Now, they're going to have to be a good person because I have nothing to give them, whereas they've probably already got an established audience. But there are kind people out there. Only yesterday, I interviewed one of Australia's leading bloggers, and he he um, he had exactly that happen. You know, he's writing away, writing all this stuff around personal development and entrepreneurship, getting the odd like on Medium or Substack or wherever he was putting his stuff. But it wasn't until um, someone of significance came along and said, hey, listen, I really like the work, the, what you're doing, the work you're writing, um, and I'm going to share it to my audience. And that's that was actually his hockey stick inflection. Um, so I think there's cold comfort in the answer I just gave you if someone's listening and go, well, I'm, you know, right now I have no audience, I have no profile, I have no brand, but you've either got to stick the heels in and create great content that hits people between the eyes and hope like hell it gets shared or commented or picked up by someone or something, a media outlet, or or someone comes along and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, listen, I'm going to be sharing what you do because I think it's really good. Don't have to give anything in return. Well, yeah, it's an interesting thought exercise to go through, though, because a lot of people are starting their businesses, and whether they've had them for one month, one year, two, a lot of them are still pretty much at ground zero. And so the context around how to do that in the current environment is – like, because there's there's all of the things that you can do with an audience to make that audience better, to drill, to build that, to deepen your sense of community, to deliver more value. But even in the context that we were talking about at the start of the episode, right, having a knowledge base and all that kind of stuff, yeah, park the amount of work required to do that. But well, I mean, like, you got to get traffic to the website for that to even be a relevant thing, right? So, so eyeballs matter, and then thinking about how we can then attack that from a from for any business to do it do you know my lat- my lateral answer to, my lateral answer to this goose and i've just come back from a five-week holiday in europe and i saw this a number in a number of occasions uh, the lateral answer to your question is the best marketing is a great product or service right and and that's easy to say it is not it is not adhered to anywhere near enough <clears throat> I think, controversially, maybe, too many business owners rely on creating a mediocre to pretty good product or service and then rely on SEO or social media or advertising or strategic partnership or whatever it may be to then get the eyeballs, get the traffic, get the inquiry, get the sales. In my experience of interviewing 600 and now 40 successful business owners on the Small Business Big Marketing podcast, there would be a consistent theme that they spend a shitload of time creating the world's best product. And this T-shirt I'm wearing, terrible red colour, says Carne DM. It's a butcher's T-shirt from Tuscany, a little town in Tuscany in Chianti, the region of Tuscany called Panzano. And there's a butcher there and... He wouldn't know what SEO is. I think he's got a website because he's also got a restaurant that seats between. He generally caters for up to 270 people for lunch every day. This is a butcher, right? Got to keep reminding you, this is a butcher. He's not a foodie. He's not a restaurateur. He doesn't have a Facebook. He does have a website to take bookings. He's known globally. He's been on shows like 
Anthony Bourdain, Chef's Table, all these shows because he's got a name for himself because he has the best product going around. He he grows, he 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 raises his own cattle. He uses everything t- nose to tail. He's completely passionate. When you walk past his shop, he's playing either ACDC or opera at full volume. You get a glass of Chianti when you walk past, whether you're buying from him or not. It's just a fantastic experience and a brilliant product. So that's a very long answer to, you know, if you are starting from scratch, from ground zero, then work hard on your product. I think it's a, I think it's a great, I think that's actually a great answer. I think it's hyper relevant and actually points to something other than just trying to find the latest trick, the latest you know, how do I go viral or whatever? Build something, yeah. Build something that is worth people talking about is actually probably the best, one of the best things you can do. And I'd like to talk about the boomerang effect, actually. And I'll, but just quickly, I'll, I want to kind of just squeeze something else in there about. Are you familiar with um, Wombat? Uh, there was a book called like Wombat Marketing uh, a while ago by. It was like a okay. So this guy, he's actually like a like a professor, like he's a full. Anyway, he's a he's a mad scientist, but he wrote this book on marketing and sales, effectively. And it's called "Don't quote me on the title." I have to look it up. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. But I think it was called "Wombat Marketing." But "Wombat" stood for word of mouth, buy and tell, right? And so the whole context and concept around the book was delivering excellence, so that that would be the thing that would actually grow your business the the strongest. Because you're effectively creating network effects, and you know it's about. Rather than creating something that's acceptable, you're creating something that's excellent. And those network effects are profoundly strong. I mean, it's the reason Facebook is what Facebook is. So so how does this relate to the, the boomerang effect or, or talk to me about that kind of stuff? Well, you, you, the, the, for those listening, the boomerang effect is, is a book I wrote six years ago. It's now sold out after a couple of reprints. Um, it sort of it didn't lose its relevance because the fundamentals are there, but it, you know the world the world had moved on from a number of aspects, and so you can't buy it. But the boomerang effect is the more effort you put into your marketing, the more it will return in multiples, whatever that return may be. So the more helpful you are in your marketing, the greater the return. Um, the returns may be inquiry and sales, but in my experience, if you are super helpful, and the boomerang effect does talk a lot about this concept of helpful marketing. The more helpful you are, amazing things happen. Now, what that ama- what the boomerang effect may be for you may be different for me, may be different from the person down the road. But it could be, um, you know, you div- you get asked to speak at conferences, you get a book deal, you um, you know, you get asked to sit on a board or something. Whatever it may be, it, it's very hard to articulate what someone's boomerang effect. For me, creating the small business big marketing podcast fourteen years ago. And just focusing on that and being helpful with that, it led to a speaking career. It led to an emceeing career. It got me media. It got me um, a radio program on the Macquarie Network for a couple of years. I mean, amazing things happened. And that's my boomerang effect. And so what I say to people is, yeah, if you're going to be helpful in your marketing, sure, it'll generate more sales and inquiry. But, you know, I, I know a guy who owned a, a little a little boat dealership in Melbourne who adopted the, the, the boomerang effect and, and it was incredibly helpful in his marketing. The next thing you know, he's speaking at boating industry association conferences. He's written three books. He's um, he, he, He's got a profile on one of the big radio stations in Melbourne where he's the beach and bay weather reporter. And this is just a direct result of being helpful, nothing else. 
you know? So um, that was the premise of the boomerang effect. Which is really interesting, right? Because effectively what we're talking about is virality. Now, a lot of people are looking for these hacks on how to like go viral on whatever, TikTok or whatever. But virality really is fundamentally driven by if you create something that is valuable enough that the act of somebody sharing it with another person gives them some kind of reward. Now, that reward can be status. Hey, look at me. I've helped you. Or that reward could be, you know, uh, love, emotional, like, but, but effectively you're, you've got to create something that is valuable enough that somebody else receives value by the act of distributing it for you, which is a pretty interesting way to think about the kind of depth of quality that you should be thinking about putting into your content, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and more so now with ChatGPT here, you know, I was again talking to this blogger yesterday who's essentially a writer. You know, um, the, the, the effort of quality that we put into our writing has never been more important because you and I both know that we could have an article on anything written within 2.3 seconds. Um, the point of difference in that article, if you go and paste it, holus bolus from ChatGPT, and then I take it and put my spin on it, my tonality, my, my vibe on it, you know, that's where the effort is going to have to be now. Now, how long that's going to last for? Is AI going to become sentient? Yes. What does that mean? Probably means that it can put feeling and, and, and create prose as opposed to just vomiting up something it's learned from the internet. But right now, that's where the point of difference is. Maybe it is already sentient. It has a bit of heart and personality. It might already be sentient. I know it is behind closed doors. <laughs> hey? Yeah, it's very interesting, right? Because you, you might be a deep fake, but I, how do I know goose is goose? Well, I mean, now we're starting to question the, the, the fabric of reality, which, you know, that's all made <laughs> up anyway. So <laughs> before we go too deeply into that, yeah. I, I would, I would, it's, um, is that a hair or a wire sticking out your ear? <laughs> <laughs> I'm plugged in below the waist. I mean, it's, I mean, I've got the board shorts on, but you know, <laughs> hey. So I wanted to, I actually want to kind of like shift the, the conversation, steer it in the conversation in a little bit of a different direction because it's kind of like why marketing, right? It's an interesting kind of question uh, to have because, you know, marketing inherently is a growth driver, right? Now we can do the, you know, do this in a way where we can provide a tremendous amount of value, make the world a better place and all this kind of stuff. But the function of doing marketing as an activity is to drive growth in business and the question i've got is to what end like you uh you've tailored most of your career and um i you know kind of brand around small business but you know is there a is there kind of like an end is like grow your business to this size and then that's it or is it like you know should people just be chasing growth for growth's sake or should there be more of a purpose around it Personally, I think growth is flawed. You know, I look at, and I suppose, I I suppose where I get particularly angry about this is when the banks in Australia, you know, now I'm not a bank hater, but at what point do you stop growing? You know, when they're reporting profits, quarterly profits in the bazillions, back with the question that you asked me, I asked the banks, you know, at what point now they got shareholders and I don't understand the, the intricacies of all that. And I'm sure the shareholders are wanting more growth, more growth, more growth. But like, so bringing it back to small business. Yeah. I mean, how much growth is enough? Are we here to build an empire? I mean, you started um, Dash Dot four years ago. You're telling me you've got 85 staff. That's amazing. I mean, per- I personally wouldn't want that, but mate, 
totally inspired by you and, and well done. Um, how much is enough? You know, create a business that gives you a lifestyle. Awesome. Happy days. Work three days a week, go to the beach the other two. Um, I guess it depends on on so much on the individual, right? Um, and so, yeah, growth and, and, and marketing's role in that is interesting in itself because marketing isn't just about generating more inquiry and more sales potentially. People think it is, but marketing is also very good at helping weed out the customers you don't want and attracting the customers that you do want. Yeah, so think about marketing that way. I say, you know, talking to an accountant is a classic example. Now, if you're an accountant with no clients, then you are doing something real wrong because every 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 accountant has got more clients than they need. So when I talk to an accountant about their marketing, they go, I don't do any marketing. I don't need any marketing. Well, what, every, what 100% of your customer base you just love dealing with? Well, that's bullshit. So marketing can be very good at just getting you the right customers as opposed to growing exponentially your business. I suppose the other thing, just to touch on that whole marketing thing, Goose, is marketing is everything and everything is marketing. So you and I have been probably up until now talking about marketing communications, although I touched on product, but everything you do in your business is marketing. You know, whether it, no matter what, it's it's you putting your business out to the world to let them make a decision as to whether they want to buy from you. Yeah, 100%. There's a, my, one of my favorite books on marketing is This Is Marketing by Seth Godin. Um, and the reason, oh, yeah. the, the specific- CIM is the acronym. I spoke to Seth and I told him that. Yeah, yeah. CIM. Nice. <laughs> nice. Tim is marketing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but my favorite bit about, my favorite bit in that was um, the, the concept around people like us do things like this. That's my favorite um, framework for thinking about marketing in a general context and kind of lends into the point that you just made. It's not just about, how do we get more sales and how do we do this kind of thing? It's like, how do we build an environment where we can surround ourselves with the people that we want to be around? That includes the team that you've got, if you have any team. It includes your customers, includes your audience, could be in your Facebook group. But how do you craft a community of like-minded individuals? You know, f- Functionally, like the, I guess the, the outcome that we would be expecting from that is if you could find all the people that you loved and surround yourself with people that, that you just thought were the best in the world and all that kind of stuff, then you're probably going to end up in a state where your life macro is happier, which is an interesting kind of way to then think about marketing. If it's not about driving revenue outcomes specifically, it could actually be a lever to drive greater levels of satisfaction, fulfillment, happiness within your business. Do you, do you think about that much? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, if, if if you just think about marketing as get more inquiry, then I think you're leaving a lot on the table. So yeah, get more satisfaction, get more, get create a greater customer experience, um, get more of the clients you want. Um, I remember interviewing a fantastic guest a number of years ago, Paddy Lund. He's a dentist in Brisbane, and he hit hard times in personally with sort of mental well being, like many dentists do. And he asked himself in the depths of depression. What will make me happy? And it was his business that was making him incredibly unhappy. And one of the things he did is he sacked seventy five percent of his customers, like sacked them. Said, "I don't want, I don't want you to come in anymore." And he gave the remaining twenty five percent who he did like. They're not customers; they're patients, I guess, being a dentist. And he gave the remaining twenty five percent what he called invitation cards, and they were basically business cards. And he only gave them two. And he said, "If you know people like yourself, please give them the card and." 
and asked, and I'm hoping to become their dentist. Um, incredibly brave. He did a whole lot of other things too. He took down his signage. He got a private number. He started cooking dental buns. They were cinnamon buns to hide the smell of Novocaine in the in the in the surgery. Um, but he took a sort of anti approach to it. He stopped me. He cancelled all his yellow pages and advertising. You know, with the anti marketing approach. So I think if we look at marketing, it worked out to the point that he ended up working three days a week, 10 till three, and made more money than he'd ever made and well above the average of what most full-time dentists were making. He now lives in Thailand and studies martial arts. <laughs> Does he still have the business whilst he's doing it or has he sold the business? No. Oh, yeah, okay. So he's gotten out of the businesses. Uh, I don't I don't know whether he sold it or just closed it. Yeah, okay. But- um, fascinating it was absolutely fascinating i'd love to get your take on this like whole kind of angle of i think i'm seeing a trend at the moment right so and the trend that i'm seeing at the moment is more business owners are questioning more things about like happiness and fulfillment like am i happy (laughs) you know like and that may translate into people like me who decide okay well i'm I'm happy when I move around and I like to go to lots of different places and travel around and do all that kind of stuff. But other people are sort of questioning, is is work, is business, is, is this all there is? And I'd love to kind of dig into this kind of concept around uh, happiness and fulfillment and maybe if there's any kind of, you know, examples you've seen in your own life where you've had to rationalise between this idea of the pursuit versus fulfillment versus happiness because a lot of people out there are trying to thread that needle and they just can't work out where the balance is. <laughs> and I'm not going to sit there. I'm not going to get on my soapbox and say I have the answer, but it's a it's a deep interest of mine, Goose. A deep, deep interest is this whole notion of business owner well-being. To the point, my podcast is called the Small Business Big Marketing Show, and it's sort of up until probably forty episodes ago. It did what it said on the pack. You want to listen, if you're a small business owner who wants to do big marketing, listen to my podcast and you'll still get that. But I find myself more and more either asking guests about their well-being or having a, having a discussion around it, not prying, but having a discussion around business owner well-being or, and or getting guests on to talk about business owner well-being. So two weeks ago, I had a what I consider both a beautiful, wonderful, and important interview with the world's number one surfer of all time, Lane Beachley. And when I had the opportunity, when I was given the opportunity to interview Lane, I thought, well, I'm not going to pass it by because she's the best surfer the world's ever seen, which is not really a good reason to interview her, but I was pretty fascinated by that. And I thought I'll interview her about the business of surfing. And I'll interview her about how she managed sponsorship, which is, you know, all relevant to a small business owner. Um, in the end, we spoke about mind, the high-performance mindsets, and it was absolutely compelling. And the number of guests and the number of listeners that I've had since putting that episode out who emailed me and said, or came, who hit me up on Facebook and said, oh, Timbo, I wasn't going to listen to that episode. It didn't seem relevant to my business, but, geez, I'm glad I did. And I've done this on a number of occasions where I've had these discussions around well-being and they really they hit a mark because, oh, well, how philosophical, how philosophical do you want to get, Goose? But the world's a crazy place. 
Well, mate, the world's a crazy place. It's getting crazier. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of negativity in this world. Um, the news, the TV, all the media platforms sell on negativity, not on positivity. Um, so you've got to be very careful what you consume. Um, I, I caught up with a friend who's a business owner last night. Um, owns a really successful business, but he's caught up in conspiracy theories. Like he's just fucking addicted. Excuse the French. He's just addicted to, to conspiracy theories, and it is not serving him. And everyone's a conspiracist these days, you know, whether it be about the Russia-Ukraine thing or what's happening in America or what's happening. Everyone's got a conspiracy. I don't care. What it's 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 not healthy. What what you put in is what you get out. So I think as business owners, we've got to be really really careful of finding that balance and i don't know i'm not going to get and start talking about work-life balance does it exist is it real if it does how do you manage it but what i do know is that if you put all your eggs into just building your business i don't i personally don't think you're going to have a very happy life you have to find the balance and just to finish that conversation i have had five weeks in in europe uh my beautiful sarah my girlfriend and i had a had an afternoon in a park in Lyon in regional France about three weeks ago. And this is a beautiful park. But what I noticed was there were th- thousands. You don't see this in Australia, but we don't have the population either. But there were thousands of people in this park wandering around, enjoying themselves, having an ice cream, riding a bike, going for a run, sitting on a blanket. And I know we do that. I mean, you're in Bondi at the moment. I'm sure if you went down to Bondi Beach, there'd be the beach would be packed. But I think my point is, and I, I did a little video with Sarah, who's deep into into meditation and spirituality and all that kind of stuff. And we did a little video together that I put in my Patreon, just about the whole topic of business owner well being. And you're not going to have a business if you're not well. So you know your health is primary, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional. Um, and I just don't see it enough, Goose. So it's a it's an area that I'm particularly passionate about. And and I almost got to the point where I thought, shit, I'd, I'd love to run some retreats around that. Just to get people out of their space, out of their business, out of their heads. So, if you had the opportunity to kind of give some advice to business owners, let's just assume there's a whole bunch of people listening to this. They're all stuck in their heads and they're all kind of not paying attention to this. Where do you think people should start? Where do you think business owners should start on this conversation internally? Like, how would you? You're obviously passionate about it. So, how would you start to crack open that egg in a way? that people can consume it and start to bring attention to it and start to better their lives? I think awareness is a great start. You know, acknowledge, acknowledge that. And, 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 and for, you know, this conversation 10 years ago would have been probably more awkward, you know, because the idea of talking about depression or anxiety or any of these mental uh, mental illnesses was sort of kept under, under covers. Now it's, you know, it's just it just rolls off the tongue, which is awesome. Whether it rolls off the tongue for a business owner to acknowledge that they themselves may be in a dark space or may need some support or maybe over, you know, burning the candle at both ends or whatever it may be, that's a different thing. But I think the very first step is awareness to acknowledge, hey, I'm not being the best self. I'm not being a nice person to be around. Um, have a listen to what, have a listen and feel for the people around you. How are they reacting to you? How are they responding to you? And like I said, I'm not the guy's going to get up on the soapbox and say, do this and do that. Personally, for me, meditation's been a saviour. I suffer from anxiety and I have for years and meditation's been 
just a blessing in that regard because it gets you out of your head. It stills everything. You don't have to sit cross-legged, put some sandals on and light some incense. You just need to find some time to slow everything down. Take a few breaths. You know, God bless, what's his name? Um, uh, the, the breath guy. He's just moved into the, a couple of streets away. What's his name? Um, Wim Hof. Wim Hof. I mean, God bless him for, for, for bringing this notion of breathing to our attention. I mean, it's very clever. It's his son that's the marketing brains behind it. But, you know, we've been breathing for a long time as a human race, but he's packaged it up in a way that becomes very attainable and very important. And, and um, it's been a, quite a joy to, to be part of that kind of movement, if you like. So just simple things like that, pretty important. Yeah, nice. I, I'm going to throw an idea uh, on the table as well that I think – Large part of it comes from having misaligned, misaligned two things misaligned misaligned goals and misaligned actions versus values. Because a lot of people think that um, they're going to be happier if they're more successful, but then they say success, they borrow the vision of success by based on what they can see on the media or whatever. And so they say, okay, success equals a certain amount of money or a certain type of lifestyle or all of these kind of things. And so they, they're in the pursuit of this thing without ever first actually working out whether or not that is the thing that they want. And so what can end up happening is that people are taking actions that aren't aligned with their values to achieve goals that aren't aligned with their vision of their life, which creates a huge amount of you know dissonance. Because if you ask a lot of people what they really want, if you really cook it down, it's probably going to be things like, you know, great relationship, great health, you know, doing work that matters or, yeah, exactly, right, cooks down. And, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it personally because, you know, when we started uh, our business, we started it with $5,000, no safety net, no backup, never worked in the industry before, had no network, had no nothing. We, we'd never really done sales and marketing before. We used to have to walk around the supermarket eating food off the shelves just because we had no money. We were trying to work it out to start the business kind of thing. And, and so there was a pursuit of like we were as trying to get from – we were trying to get out. The business was designed fundamentally primarily around impact and helping others, but there was a drive to grow it because we were trying to move out of a state of lack. But then what's happened is the business has gotten bigger, which I'm super grateful for. It's the best thing ever, and I'm just not, not in any way um, regretful. It's awesome. The best team doing awesome work. I super love it. But what's interesting is that the, the size – hasn't increased my happiness and so recently i was kind of like what is even like what am i <laughs> like what am i doing like am i even happy with this and it's a really interesting question to to ask and i mean i've spent i've spent the last little while digging into that question like why why am i doing this so so it wasn't i realized it was not about the business so the business in and of itself is is brilliant and fu like fundamentally you know triple, quadruple, 10x the size of it, and I think it would be awesome, but it was actually more about me and not the fact that I am not the business because the business in and of itself, there's nothing to say that that can't become a, a billion-dollar thing, right? There's nothing to say that I should limit the potential of the business to create fantastic impact both in the lives of our clients and the lives of our team, which is a big thing for us. We, we, we care about making an impact on the lives of our team, but that's the business, and I am not the business, and so what's good for the business might not necessarily be what's good for me. 
And so then detaching those two things, like pulling my identity away from the business and realizing that's the thing that I've created and that's the thing that I can do, but that is not me. So what do I want? What is going to make me happy? What are the things that need to exist in my life for me to wake up every day feeling energized, inspired, satisfied, content, and not feeling like I'm in a state of lack or burnout or depression or unhappiness? And I started to unpack and kind of arrive at those things and what that looked like, you know, rather than being someone whose identity is the business and identity is a worker who works 18 hours a day and does all of this kind of stuff. It's like, well, where do I add the most value? What if I just did that stuff? And what if I spent more time focusing on health and wellness and all these kind of things, which has kind of led to some kind of fundamental shifts in how I'm showing, showing up in the world. And, you know, there's a it's a journey, not a destination for sure, but certainly, you know, I can see that. I can see that path going in the right direction. Well, good on you, mate. For you know, it takes courage to even look at that, to look yourself in the mirror in that way. Many are too scared, and many are on this crazy growth journey anyway. They don't have time or the willingness, or they know if they do, it'll you know slow them down. So, it's each each individual has a different story, man. That's what I've found, and you know, that's why giving advice is flawed. <laughs> You've got to ask the right questions. So what's the goal for you then? Okay, so like, what's the goal with with you now with your business with the sit community? on the beach? Sit on the beach. So like, talk, talk to me about that. I mean, like, <laughs> is the goal to continue to grow the podcast just to continue to deliver value? How do you see things now and changing? Like, what does what's next on your path? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I'm actually come back from this holiday and and reassessing things. You know, 14 years of podcasting, um, finding the wherewithal to you know. Um, keep that machine going is there's a question um, around that for me um, I know it's making a huge difference in a lot of people's lives in, in in terms of the feedback I get so that's really important to me and I don't want to just take that away but I want to keep enjoying it I find that you know someone like a Tim Ferriss who started off on sort of one path with his podcast his podcast now is vastly different to what it was when he started and now it's really just life according to Tim and that's really nice. He can do that because it's called the Tim Ferriss Show. Mine's called Small Business Big Marketing. So it's sort of hard to kind of pivot into whether into an area that I do have a deep interest in, which is this this notion of business owner well-being and mental health. Um, so I am sort of tossing those around. I've threatened I, – I, I grew up in Melbourne and moved to the sunny coast. And, you know, I, I sometimes – I've been up here for six years and sometimes I sort of look you know, ask myself why? Why did I come up here? And I think one of the reasons is is potentially to run retreats. So I think more and more people are looking for experiences and people are looking for community. Two deep insights to anyone looking to start a business. And um, so the idea of retreats is something that I'm tossing around, Goose. Um, and there's a couple of other things. Funnily enough. Um, a couple of interviews I've done in the last two months. One is with the drummer from Powderfinger, a great Aussie band, and the other one is with the manager of Fleetwood Mac, who managed Fleetwood Mac from 1981 to 1998. Very unusual guests for a small business big marketing podcast, but um, I have a deep interest in music, and, 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 and in doing those interviews, which I thoroughly enjoyed, kind of has lit a bit of a fire in me to maybe go and go down the path of creating something around music i don't know what that is but so yeah i've got a pretty open mind at the moment um and i love that i love that you know i'm lucky enough to have been doing it for 14 years and build a good following and and 
and you know that it creates opportunity so who knows mate watch this space yeah that's fantastic i there's a question that i like to ask and i was going to ask it for you but it sort of sounds like you might have answered it and it's kind of along the line of and I kind of touched on a similar question earlier but along the line of if you woke up tomorrow and you lost everything would you seek to rebuild the same thing that you've got today or would you take the opportunity to craft a completely different path yeah, 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 absolutely. It's craft a different path for me because, um, and you'd find this, I mean, I don't like to say that my podcast defines me because that would be very shallow, but at a business level, yeah, it does define me. I'm the guy who hosts the oldest business marketing podcast in Australia and it's been very good to me. It's allowed me to speak on stages all over the world and so it sort of defines you in a sense and sometimes when businesses define you, define you. It's very hard to let go. And as the person being defined by their business, it's potentially not very healthy because you could be off doing something else, you know. This this is not a practice run and life's short. So, yeah, the idea of doing what brings you joy is really interesting. And I, you know, it's the classic Benjamin Button, you know, why weren't we born old and die young? Because the wisdom we gain you know, is is amazing. You know, I've got three kids who are now in their 20s and I've said to them for a very, very, very long time, as long as from the moment they could understand this was talking about purpose and please, guys, just do something that brings you joy. I'm not your dad who's going to be breathing down your neck going, go to uni, get a degree, work for a bank, do this, do that uh, because I, go, I was raised like that. And, you know, your parents, that's not a, a negative comment about the way I was brought up. That's what they knew. And I'm just doing what I know as a parent. And, you know, doing things that bring you joy is a great criteria versus doing things that bring you money or choosing the thing that brings you the most money. And my oldest boy uh, only said to me the other day, he said, I just talked to him about his work and what he's up to. And he said, I'm absolutely loving it, dad. And it brings me so much joy. And I'm on purpose. And he said, I finally know what you've been rattling on about for years. And as a dad, that's like, my work here is done, you know, because, and I think the, I think that generation, you know, there's all this wokeness. Don't get me started on that, but they are a generation who has, who is in greater touch with their, um, with where they're headed. And they see the mistake. We saw the mistakes of our parents our kids are seeing the mistakes of ours. It's just how it works, mate. Bit of a rant. No, it's good. It's good. I like it, actually. It's really interesting because I've asked that question a few times. Most people, most people, in fact, you're the only person so far other than me, but I've never answered that question myself on the podcast, who has said, no, I would create something different. It's really interesting. Most people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'd create the same thing. And it's like, that's fascinating. It seems a little quirky to me that you would just go and do the same thing again. I mean, they're cool, but like so it's gone. Yeah. Well, it's, it seems to me they're not being truthful. Now, I don't know. I mean, there's a <laughs> need to go through each of those people individually, but you know, some of them are just, you know, maybe they're just trying to get rid of you, mate. They're just like, is this interview finishing soon? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, do the same thing. All right, I got to find a, I got to find a question because <laughs> only because you, 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 um, you brought it up and you may be just like, you may be just going to answer this question like, fuck, is this guy going to shut up and stop asking me questions like this? But you, you mentioned your, and the, the reason um, 
reason I want to me- ask it actually, um, you mentioned about your kids, your son, who said, I'm, I feel like I'm on purpose. And um, I spend a lot of time each day uh, in a process of metacognition, thinking about my thoughts <laughs> sort of thing. And one of the one of the things I've been uh, writing about is living my life on purpose or living in a state of dharma. And so I would love to get your take, not your worldly advice and direction to everyone, but your take, your personal take on how can you find or define your purpose? Because if more people can do that, live their life on purpose in that state where they're delivering their best value and in their best, you know, I think the world would be a better place. So what's your hot take on that? I don't have one, mate. I'm like, I, I'm not. I'm going to respectfully pass. I'll give you an answer, but it's sort of I'm going to pass on that question because I'm still searching for my purpose, and um, there's no way I'm going to, you know, give anyone any. Well, then let me ask you a different. Let me ask you a different question. To say, let me ask you a different question. Then you're trying to work that out for yourself. So, how are you thinking about approaching that journey? You don't have to be at the destination, but I'd love to know. Like, you're scratching the surface. This, whenever I have this internal conversation with myself every hour, <laughs> the word courage keeps coming back. And I know there are things that I could be doing that would bring me more joy than I already have. And don't get me wrong, I have a good life and, and what I do does bring me, there are, there are moments in what I do, for example, when I am doing, when I'm interviewing someone, when I'm on stage, um, that bring me joy. It's the sharing part of things. Um, but it, it's just the whole notion of courage, the courage to make a change, because if you're not on purpose, then there are, com- there, there are consequences to deciding you are going to follow your purpose or follow your dream. Now, the consequences may be no income because you're going to go down that fork in the road and it's a lot of fun and you're going to build a business, but the first 12 months, there ain't going to be any dough coming in the... so. That takes a lot of, or, um, you know, I leave the Small Business Big Marketing podcast, which has defined me for 14 years, at least in my mind, uh, I then become a no one and have to start again. That's courage. Um, What are people going to think? Am I going to let people down? So for me, it's not as if I I don't know what I'd like to do beyond what I already do. It's just finding the guts to do it. Mm. Well- this is not a question, but it's something that uh, maybe it, it's my gift to you. One question that I'd suggest maybe it's worth just sitting on, like deeply sitting on, is asking yourself, who would I be without fear or doubt? It's a very interesting question to to kind of really consider because if you start to then, I mean, I, I, honestly, I've been sitting on that question for but just keep rolling and rolling and rolling over the top of that question. Who would I be if I had no fear and no doubt? Man, it's like, woof, just sink into Superman. it. Superman. Yeah. 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 Well, there's, there's that whole notion of afraid of, of afraid of success. I'm not really afraid of, afraid of failure, um, but, but huge success feels scary. feels bloody good, but- and whatever that looks like, and that's a, that doesn't mean a billion dollars either for me. It means just living a good life and you know taking the foot off the pedal. But uh, that's a great question, mate. I've written that down, and I will include that in my next meditation. Appreciate it, Timbo. I've actually really loved this conversation. It's been um, I'm very grateful for it. I, as, I, as I mentioned, I've 
you know, been consuming your content for a while and it's delivered a tremendous amount of value to me. And uh, I loved the fact that we were able to kind of dig into some of the kind of marketing principle stuff, which I'm super passionate about and so are you. And we yeah, yeah. ended on that note. So I really appreciate the journey that we've been able to go on for this last uh, good last nearly hour. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Goose, and well done on having a podcast and well done on building Dash Dot to where it is. Thanks, man. Peace, brother. See you soon.